This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. Hey, everybody from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Robin Hilton. I am here with NPR's Ann Powers. Hey, Ann. Hello. Contributor Christina Lee. Hey, Robin. And NPR's Sheldon Pierce. Hello, hello. Congratulations. You've all made it through uh, another year. 2022 is coming rapidly to a close, which means that uh, a whole bunch of lists are popping up everywhere to underline and uh, anoint the best music of the year. NPR Music's picks for the best albums just went online. We posted our top 50 albums, and you can go to npr.org to see that. But on this episode of the podcast, we're going to count down the top 10 albums and talk about why they matter to us this year. Starting with the rapper Pusha T, in at number 10 is his album, It's Almost Dry. This is the song, Just So You Remember. Just so you remember who you dealing with. The number don't change, I know who the chemist is. Brick by brick, we kept open dealerships. Mitch by Mitch, we built up our villages. Seeing you rappers apply for the stimulus. Living a lie, but die for your images. It's guns involved like cowboys and Indians. You track hawk niggas are not my equivalent. Flew your bitch to Cuba for the thrill of it. But I ain't go to show you what you should have did tennis chains to hide all my blemishes my joker smile you know who the villain is just so you remember who you dealing with look outside the landscape ridiculous you know as somebody who grew up in the dmv before moving to atlanta it's been really surreal to see the rest of the world come to reckon with the artist known as push a t uh we've seen how Critics have filed his and Clips' music under the term cocaine rap, which isn't really that helpful. There's been all these clever nicknames that he's come up with to describe himself. I've always loved L. Ron Hubbard of the Cupboard, but with this album, we get cocaine's Dr. Seuss. But it truly feels like with this album, honestly, the simplest and the best way to describe Pusha T is, you know, just to say that he's a master at what he does. And you can only really compare him with himself. Yeah, I mean... That feels fitting, given that he does seem to just re-up every album with the same sort of flair and content. I mean, dating back to his time rapping with his brother in Clips, he was always the more flamboyant one. His brother was a little more penitent. You know, we're here now, but look what it cost us. And he was like, every step of this journey was worth it. And here I think... <laughs> He really gets to sort of the top of that ladder in the wake of his uh, resounding defeat of Drake. He has grown even more confident and he's really taking on charlatans throughout this album. Anybody he deems as just unfit for their position or somebody who is claiming to be something they aren't, he is going to chop you down to size. We hear it in the lyrics of that song. He's taking another man's woman to another country, but he's not going. He's doing it just to to be petty, (laughs) to show you that you should have taken her. Um, And that's the spirit of this record. It's just super petty um, and and just sneering throughout. Yeah, I loved revisiting this record. It came out near the end of April, which feels like a lifetime ago now, uh, but loved it. Loved hearing it again. Pusha T, his album, It's Almost Dry, coming in at number 10 on the NPR Music Best Albums list. In at number nine is an album from the singer Sharon Nova and the chamber orchestra known as A Far Cry. 
Their joint project is called The Blue Hour. This is the song called We Are As Paper. We are as paper against the walls of the passage We were spoken into being Why we not? What Well, this is our classical critic Tom Heisinger's favorite album of the year, and it unites five women composers, Rachel Grimes, Sarah Kirkland Snyder, Angelica Negron, Caroline Shaw, and Sharon Nova, to create a song cycle based on Carolyn Forche's epic poem about the journey from life to death, which is called On Earth. Now, the poem is more than 40 pages long, so the composers collaborated to sort of select fragments of Forche's poem, and it all adds up to this really deep journey. You know, Carolyn Forche is a political poet. She writes often about refugees and the oppressed, but this is this also takes us to a very spiritual place, and Sharon Nova's singing is so beautiful throughout. I mean, where to begin this record? It is it's a truly, <laughs> truly epic record. I mean, the idea at the center of it, obviously, is this sort of transcendental state between the end of life and death and what is flowing between. A lot of those moments are sort of nonlinear and disconnected, like pulling from this woman's past. But some of the lyrics are very abstract and really beautiful. And the whole thing is a bit hallucinatory. I mean... The singing is a, a large part of that, but the connective tissue is the way that these composers work together. Yeah, Sheldon says it, it's not a casual listen. Uh, 40 tracks that go super, super deep. This one came out on October 14th. I, what I love about it is that it kind of inhabits that space that's between worlds. You know, in French, the blue hour refers to twilight when it's not quite dark or not quite light out. And that's my favorite sort of spiritual and, and mental space to inhabit in the universe, because <laughs> it's not it's not just a period that's ripe for reflection or, or for taking stock in one's life. But it's also the moment when everything is still possible, like nothing has completely ended or completely begun. It, it's sort of when hope is at its its peak. And I, I just love that. Cherenova with the Boston-based Chamber Orchestra, A Far Cry, their album in our number nine spot. It's called The Blue Hour. I love how in NPR Music's multi-genre universe, Pusha T can sit right next to this conceptual <laughs> classical work. And for the album we picked for the number eight spot, we're going to take another hairpin turn to Steve Lacey. Steve Lacey's album, Gemini Writes, in at number eight on our top ten. This is the song, Mercury. I'm a myth and I'm a legend 
Yeah, a lot of people were introduced to Steve Lacey with this record by way of its big TikTok exploded smash hit Bad Habit. But he's been around a long time. He became sort of an integral part of the future funk band, The Internet. Their keyboardist, Thundercat's brother, Jamil Brunner, is the person who taught him how to make beats. They were in jazz band together. And uh, he... I love <laughs> that. That's so cute. <laughs> and, yeah, two years later, he was a member of the band. At 17, he had helped them become Grammy nominated with uh, Ego Death. So he is like a prodigious talent. His solo stuff has always embodied his virtuosity as a guitarist, but never sort of reached the dynamic stuff that he's been doing with his group. Gemini Rights feels like the first record where he stands on his own. It's really intimate, sort of funny in spots. He he really embodies his own personality, which if you see him on stage, he's sort of he's sort of cheeky. He's a, a bit confrontational. And these songs, even at their most romantic, are are kind of snippy. But they're also just like really vibrant. Absolutely. I, I mean I I love that bad habits became a huge hit, you know, because it's such a weird hit. But yeah. at the same time, <laughs> You got to listen to this album as an album because every yeah. song has like different angles and shapes coming together to form an origami or something, you know, yeah. and that's my way of listening to this record. I always try to listen to it as a whole. I mean, it's very emblematic of a Gemini, right? To just contact the right. witch at a heel's <laughs> turn. Right. Totally, totally. You and it's, him. you know, and also Steve Lacey is, uh, is bisexual. There's a kind of a queering of pop, of R&B with this record that's very subtle, but the lyrics are, you know, his, his ambivalence and connection and intimacy that you mentioned, it feels so Gen Z. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I say that, Christina, because you're a Gemini, right? Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, so I, I am too. I think we determined that when we were taping the show last. I'm sorry, <laughs> go ahead. It's surreal to kind of look back at the moment when this album came out because when it initially came out, it didn't feel like the big marquee release that week. I believe in the same week, a special by Lizzo came out and that was certifiably this pop moment. She was here to be our superstar. She was here to uplift us. But Steve Lacey's music, it's almost forlorn and he just sort of caters to his own every whim and like these transitions that come up, whether in terms of genre, whether in terms of mood, are just so completely unexpected. And the music kind of didn't feel of the moment. Like even as he was coming up, he was telling Lenny Kravitz for Billboard about how he felt sort of isolated in a world that was dominated by 808s, for example. And so for this music to be the soundtrack to our mundane TikToks is very surreal to me. <laughs> I, I keep trying to think of the best word for this, and I can't come up with anything better than fresh. It is just one of the freshest sounding records that I heard this year. I loved it so much. It came out July 15th. Gemini Writes is the album in at number eight. Next at number seven is the album In These Times from the jazz great Micaiah McCraven. This is Dream Another.
Micaiah McRaven took seven years to make this record in between other projects. And man, that patience really pays off. You know, it's such a rapturous and ethereal listen. And he has such an interesting technique in making this music. You know, he combines hip-hop style pastiche, electronics, looping with uh, collaborative improvisation with some of the greatest players out there today, including the harpist Brandy Younger, the percussionist Joel Ross, bassist Junius Paul, guitarists like Jeff Parker and Matt Gold, all commingling with McRaven's subtle drum work and electronic manipulations. It's corny to say fusion is back. I love jazz fusion. I'm just going to say it. I spent a lot of this year listening to 70s and, and early 80s jazz fusion. And this is like that Billy Cobham level of high art, putting things together that you don't expect, but in a mix that, yes, you can relax into, but you can also think deeply about. Yeah. I mean, he speaks so deeply to my soul as a lover of both jazz and rap. He's mm-hmm. got this great rap beat maker's impulse almost along the lines of like a Mad Lib. But then he has also this great band leader's impulse to just Mm -hmm. lead a group into a tunnel. And it's like his stuff, it really finds like this linear path through improvisation. It's like, how does he maintain the spontaneity of these these performances, the shape and dimension of them, while also cutting them together in a way that feels almost rhythmic in its own right? It's warm, it's sumptuous, it's overflowing at times. It's like through this piecemeal process, he creates something that is almost tapestry-like, and it's just really gorgeous to hear. I feel like the word tapestry is key, Sheldon, because... To me, the way that the album just sort of unfolds is really breathtaking. Like, if you were to tell me that this was recorded piecemeal and all these at these different studios, combining different performances, I never would have believed it just because of the way that the, the music sort of unfolds. And especially with how he functions as a percussionist, there's always sort of this simmering, constant motion that's going on in the background. It just sort of feels like you could get comfortable here. You can get excited by this labyrinth that he's put together, but then also just feel like you can sort of relax and be swept away. Makaya McCraven, the jazz drummer and producer, his incredible album In These Times is number seven on our top 10 for 2022. And in at number six is Sudan Archives and the album Natural Brown Prom Queen. This is the song Yellow Brick Road. I hopped in the shower, I dreamed of a stana. It all goes in the Havana. You rubbed on my body. My afro. Forgot all my trauma. I washed it behind us. Cause I know we got this. We know we want this. The peak of the morning, the birds wanna wake and the sun sang. They asked for our secret to all of I told them it's homemade. It's homemade. It's homemade. It's homemade. Back to the streets that's dipped in cold and right when it feels like home. We go back to the roads we know. She's a vocalist, she's a producer, she's a violinist, and the way that technical ingenuity just comes across, she's clearly coming from a knowledgeable place, but it doesn't feel carefully studied. It's the way that she kind of chases after every whim and every emotional turn that kind of just feels like she's following her own intuition. That's so well said. And I remember seeing her play, Brittany Parks play at South by Southwest. I don't know, it must have been 
well, it was pre-pandemic, so at least three, three, four or five years ago when she first came out. And I was like, this is interesting, but it's just not really all together yet. And it's been really cool to see her evolve over time. And this to me is just her like, I am here. I guess it's a big year for like, I am here. Steve Lacey also, (laughs) you know, take me as I am. And I just love her swagger. It's so immense. I saw her live and she owned that crowd. Like it was, you know, I was in a small club in Nashville. It felt like I was at the garden. This is definitely a leap record. It's like she arrives with this record. I think on this record, she decides to embody herself more. Like there are lyrics about how she used to be in a pop group with her twin sister that didn't entirely pan out either. And so it seems like she finds a place between this failed pop duo and her studied technical background right in the middle and is in that space just playing with ideas. There's stuff that's rap, but not quite. There's stuff that's R&B, but not quite. There's stuff that's so off kilter, you can't even place what it is. And in sort of navigating that, she finds ways to sort of embody her experiences as a Black woman and just Black womanhood in general. And I just have to say, there are some awesome sex songs on this record. (laughs) It is a sexy record. That doesn't really sound like that's any of my business. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that is truly, that is really true. I remember when the record first came out, a friend of mine texted me and she was like, this record is horny. And I was like, yeah, it it feels almost directly in opposition to maybe the way she felt that people viewed her after her first record. Like, pristine and like hearty uh, yeah a, li- a little bit classicist and this record push pushes back against that in a lot of different ways it's like no i embody a lot of different things like yes i am a violinist yes i uh appreciate string music and string culture across the world but also i can get down like, as well <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally as she says gorgeous and arrogant <laughs> Sudan archives her album Natural Brown Prom Queen, claiming the number six spot on NPR Music's list of the best albums out in 2022. We're going to count down the top five albums next here on the show. But first, we need to take a short break. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So, The work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. 
It's All Songs Considered from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton. I'm here with Ann Powers, Christina Lee, and Sheldon Pierce, and we're counting down the top 10 albums from NPR Music's Best of 2022 list. In at number five is an album that came out all the way back in January of this year, and we never really stopped thinking about it. From the singer Amber Mark, the album is called Three Dimensions Deep. This is the song Dark Side. Mark has been on the verge for what feels like a while now, just trying to work out exactly what she wanted to say in her music, it felt like. She has always been sort of pushing through grief. Her, she lost her mother in 2013, and a lot of her songs are sort of reckoning with that and how to move forward as a young woman, a daughter, an artist. And people have been waiting for her to connect it. She's, a, she's been searching for a long time. But this record feels like arriving at your moment it's essentially in a way that is embracing all that history um she lived in a monastery in indrio with her mom for a while her mom embraced tibetan buddhism and found spirituality and a lot of her thought songs think about spirituality loosely through space and and the cosmic as a bridge to the hereafter and that is like the loose concept around which this record is built she's talked about it being the central theme being figuring out what's going on and sometimes that is like a heady philosophical pursuit but i think the record is best when she like sets the stargazing aside and starts working through more down-to-earth problems in her personal life working through post-pandemic problems working through the problems young artists face working through problems specific to her in the here and now yeah i mean sheldon you were talking about how she's sort of at her best when she's grounded in her own sort of realities versus looking up at the stars i feel like with the song dark side she manages to strike that balance really well i mean she has a star wars reference in there that really sort of drives that home but it's like as soon as you hear the gated drums and i'm a sucker for a gated drum but as soon as you hear that it's like you're supposed to hear her coming from a mile away and it was just i think the confidence here was really really sold me on this album all these lyrics are about working through self-acceptance and trying to find that confidence she has a lyric in the song one about trying to be what they dream, but also still be myself. But frankly, as the album progresses, you just hear her progress as well as far as confidence goes. And it's really, really gratifying by the end. Amber Mark, her album Three Dimensions Deep is our number five pick for the best albums of 2022. And at number four is the big thief record, Dragon, New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. This is the song Simulation Swarm.
long been an NPR music favorite and I've found them entrancing live especially Adrian Linker's just a stunning guitarist to watch but I have to admit confession time I admired more than loved their previous records but this one grabbed me immediately and I think it's this you know again we're talking a lot about ambition this year confidence and this record is insanely confident it's huge it's long it was recorded uh all over and a bunch of different studios over a good amount of time so they really could put a lot of attention into it and it's a world you know you walk into it and and it's a world maybe it's because this record really seems to embody all of big thief and it's sort of sweeping interests this is like their first record without Andrew Sarlo, right? And so in like traveling to these different places, they decided that they were going to look inward and and measure themselves in, in all of their glory. Um, and this is the record that they produced. It's sweeping. It's almost scenic at points. And it's really sort of an intense exploration built around Adrian Linker's guitarist, guitar playing and singing. She is such a revealing songwriter and performer, as you as you suggested, Anne. And it's like sprawling music, but it, you are like guided through it by this unassuming, enchanted voice. You know, it's interesting about this expansiveness of the record, Sheldon, because some people are saying, oh, this is an Americana or country record. But to me, it only fits that category uh, the same way that, say, Neil Young's greatest records do or like the basement tapes or something. It, it goes beyond those uh, those buckets. Yeah, NPR Music's Rock List, this was the number one rock album. Mm, there you go. On NPR Music's Rock List. And I mean, rock isn't even a word that I would have thought to use to describe it. I, th- I think it's pretty folksy. It's even, it's kind of twangy mm-hmm. at times. There is like um, fiddle on it and jaw yeah. heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if anyone else thought of Puff the Magic Dragon, that classic kid's folk song while listening to Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You, because I think that Adrian Linker might be referring, in the album title to this record, might be referring to that belief in magic. You know, the belief in wondrous things that are far away in these fantastical lands. I thought you meant they were like, you know having a little uh, legal enjoyment in some of the states they were uh, recording. It's about a boy and his dragon, It's just a boy in his magic dragon. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, Big Thief. It's a double album. Dragon New War Mountain, I Believe in You. In at number four on our list. And in at number three is Rosalia's Motomami. This is the song, Cute... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, 
Motomami is the definitive example to me of how the best albums of 2022 were are visionary and unified, even if they aren't like technically concept albums. Rosalia's breakthrough record in 2018, El Mel Carrer, was a concept album. It was based on this 13th century romance novel, essentially. This one is more personal in its lyrics. She's wrestling with fame, you know, she's like, she is expressing her own story. But the main concept here, I think, is the sound, you know. Rosalia really took some flack after El Malcarrer for uh, being a white Spanish woman who was maybe appropriating black Latinx sounds like, you know, in styles like Dembo. And here I think she says, you know, okay, I'm not going to just appropriate. I am going to invent my own sound. I am going to be completely global, travel everywhere, combine at will, and come up with something that's unique to me. And and she really achieves that. Yeah, it's it's sort of funny you talk about her the the fire, the backlash, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, her previous sort of flirtations with Urbano music and even rap had been sort of written off as as imitation or worse appropriation. Right. I think this really takes her experience to the next level. It's more like immersion, more like cultural immersion. Yeah. She said she was inspired by Tumblr. Like the miscellany of like gathering things in this in this sort of micro blogging style. And it does embody the chaos and the discovery and the recycling of that process. I mean, there's a bolero that has a soldier boy sample. And there's like a ken a cantata that sounds like it was created by machines. I mean, she's sampling other samples. It's like a breakneck and and gorgeous. It's almost dizzying the way that she puts this thing together. Yeah, it feels like she's saying that this sort of ray of whatever ephemera that comes from scrolling feels very central to her identity. Uh, It was in Belarius, I think, where she talks about how at her core, like she's doing this amazing flamenco performance and she's saying that that is who she's been as an artist and that's who she's always going to be, even if she's wearing a Versace tracksuit. And she says it very, very pointedly. Y'all are really smart. (laughs) (laughs) All I had to say about Rosalia is intimidatingly cool. <laughs> That's true. That's I mean, true. She, is, she, is, she is that. Um, sort of embodied by her viral sort of TikTok moments yeah. um, <laughs> during performances this year. Rosalia and her album Motomami in at number three on our top 10 list of the best albums of 2022 and in at number two. NPR Music's number two record of the year is from the rapper Bad Bunny, Un Verano Senti. This is the song Titi Me Pregunto. Hey, Titi me pregunto si tengo mucha novia. Mucha novia. Hoy tengo a una, mañana a otra. Hey, pero no hay boda. Titi me pregunto si tengo mucha novia. Mucha novia, hoy tengo a una, mañana a otra. Me la voy a llevar la toa pa' un VIP, un VIP, ey. 
You know, this is part of an album that's the biggest selling album this year, spending 13 weeks at the top spot of Billboard's charts. You know, upon its release, he became Spotify's most streamed artist ever in a single day. So he unseated Drake specifically from that position. And, you know, upon revisiting this album, it's super easy to see why, of course. This album is clearly more straightforward than his other work, which has been a little bit more conceptual, a little bit more experimental. But I guess with the reggaeton, he's also just doubling down on that charisma. It's like between this and NPR's number one selection, it sounds like being outside. It sounds like a postcard, like a wish you were here postcard from Puerto Rico, except it's like way hornier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an erotic postcard. An erotic postcard. A horny postcard. You, uh, yeah, you said it's less experimental. I, it's definitely less conceptual. I'm not sure how much less experimental is. Uh, I, I believe that he is still sort of pushing the boundaries in a way that is almost Rosalia-like, um, but specifically from a reggaeton background. This is definitely explicitly more pop, but I mean, if you think about where he came from as his like Latin trap roots to the two records that he released in 2021, an homage to the reggaeton of his past, but elevating it with modern rap sounds. And then the other record that was a quarantine record, imagining what his last, the last shows of his career might be like, which is like, he hadn't even broken out yet. And he's already thinking that far into the future. <laughs> but I mean, his music is still, it breaks apart in such weird ways. There's such crazy transitions from one record to the next. And it's like, there's a sequence towards the end where it's like Latin trap and indie pop and mambo all happen in like the span of 10 minutes. It's uh, it is a summer playlist. It does have that looseness, but East track is carefully considered and builds out this sort of into this world that he has already created for himself. This is the pop star I want, you know, someone who, as you're saying, in the music combines so many things in his in his own persona, he combines so many things. I mean, machismo and gender fluidity, lightness mm -hmm. and fun and politics. I mean, he did an amazing short film uh, to the song El Abagón that, that, you know, talks about the plight of Puerto Rico and calls for action. He, he's just, you know, he's playful and serious at the same time. I do think that he and Rosalia are walking into the same room through different doors, you know, and it's exciting yeah. mm. that pop can be this, or I guess, arty or, or whatever you want to call it, this, this ambitious, let's just say ambitious right now. Bad Bunnies and Veranos and T in at number two on our top 10 list. We've made it to number one, our number one record of the year, the the undisputed <laughs> artist and album to claim the spot of number one is... We 
Weezer. Weezer Seasons Project. The autumn record from Weezer. We Rivers did it again. It's Robin every year. I don't know how they Re do it. recount the vote. <laughs> oh no! Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. I read that wrong. It's uh, it's Beyonce. It's Renaissance from Beyonce. This is the song Pure Honey. Check my technique. Coming from my technique. You want to feel my technique? To the left, money bitches to the right. You can be both, meet in the middle, dance all night. Take it all off, or just a little if you like. It's pure. It should cost a billion to look this good. Let's be honest, if there's one record a lot of people heard this year, it was probably this one, but that's not unwarranted, right? This is a massive record. I mean, there's a temptation to be drawn specifically to its scope, not only as a survey of Black queer dance music history, but also in its sort of blockbuster appeal. It has an expensive sort of studio quality sound that a lot of records don't have anymore. Um, but what strikes me about it particularly is the attention to detail. It is so meticulous in its referentiality that it feels like it is honoring legends of the past, maybe figures who are unheralded in their time. And it does so with otherworldly vocal displays, just like nonchalant dance floor politics, meticulous, nearly seamless sequencing. And then it's like very lovingly showing off its its pieces, right? Like nods to Robin S and Sid, who, who wrote one of the songs. Uh, her husband, who did some of the rapping uh, or the writing. Who was her husband again? Who's her husband <laughs> again? Oh, I don't know uh, him, uh, uh, um, A little up-and-coming rapper named Jay-Z. She gave him, she gave him a, a little bit of a spotlight. Um, but also there's, there's like a Kilo Ali sample on here. There's nods to Donna Summer and Tina Marie and Khalees and even like Right Said Fred, which is hilarious. Its credits are like a trove. So prior to Renaissance, I was going to flea markets and crate digging for Donna Summer Records just because I wanted to feel something, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and so when this album came out, first of all, like you said, Sheldon, you look at the credits, but there was something remarkable that happened. At the moment where I thought... Niles Rogers should get credit here. You look at the credits at Cuffit, and guess what? He's actually listed in there. It's incredible. Whereas I feel like all of pop music, as they're trying to emulate the dance music heyday, they're nodding to him. You know, maybe they invite him to the writer's room, but then like, oh, where did he go? Whereas this record, like, actually cites his sources, and that's what Beyonce does super, super well. So by the time you get to Summer Renaissance, where you get I Feel Love by Donna Summer. It's all its glory. The Giorgio Moro. Oh, my God. I just, yeah, I, I blacked out. I love that moment in, in Summer Renaissance when she is kind of duetting with Donna. The sample of mm -hmm. Donna. And mm -hmm. 
<laughs> it's like I think of Beyonce as so much about control and precision and everything she does, mastery. But that moment, she lets go. She completely lets go. She just lets herself enter into that space of ecstasy. And it's a beautiful climax of this record that goes to so many different places, as we're saying. I mean, every Beyonce record needs a syllabus. Shout out to Candice Bembo for doing the Lemonade syllabus back in the day. But this one, you definitely are going to sit there and read the credits, like you're saying, Christina. But also, you can just sink into it sensually. And I do think in a weird way, not telling her own story as intently as she has mm-hmm. on some of her previous albums like Lemonade or like the self-titled record, she relaxes. I mean, you never associate yeah. that word with Beyonce either, but her presence in this music is joyful, sensual, funny. I like this Beyonce. Beyonce's Renaissance, Simpiar Music's Album of the Year. Again, you can find our complete list, our top 50 albums on the NPR website, along with a whole bunch of other lists and personal favorites from 2022. Go to npr.org bestmusic2022. That's all one word, bestmusic2022. And we'll continue to add new lists and features throughout this month. For this episode of All Songs Considered, my thanks to Ann Powers, Christina Lee, and Sheldon Pierce. Thanks, everyone. This was so fun. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And for All Songs Considered and NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL. Because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR.